Welcome. It's Sarah. Thanks for being here. Today's episode is a little different. I am going to tell you a story, a long story, a soul story. It weaves together multiple lessons that I've learned over the last 16 months in deep relationship with the land. It talks about (laughs) a lot of things. It talks about the female nervous system, about coming back into union in masculine and feminine, what the land has to do with that, and wealth, women's wealth, the consumer program that keeps women down, and um, the wealth codes, the land codes that came through the land to me. It is my honor and pleasure to share this story with you. I ask that you enter into this space with reverence as you know you're about to hear some some sacred information not everything about my story necessarily my personal story this isn't egoic but what came through so I tell the story I weave information uh, when someone tells a soul story what's going to happen is you're going to listen to this and there are going to be things that activate for you during listening and there are going to be things that activate for you and in you after listening and it might even keep going. I hear from you all that when I share these stories and especially right now talking about women and provision and masculine wounding, you all are perking up. Your ears are perking up and so this vulnerable share on my part, quite honestly, is for you. It is a follow-up to a previous episode that I did on the provision wound, an interview where I was interviewed on this lifelong wounding. This is a follow-up to that. And it is, I know it's a long episode, but I was going to share the whole thing and then some impromptu things happened as well. And so it's all here. And you're welcome to, you know, put it on speed and a half or (laughs) like however you want to interact with that. Um, I won't be offended. And just gratitude to you for, for being here and being on your sacred remembering walk. The reason that I share stories is because when one woman shares, another woman says, oh my gosh, that's true for me too. And so um, if that happens for one of you out there, then it's my pleasure. So, so much love from my heart to yours on the sacred remembering path. You are, I just want to say, you are infinitely wealthy, worthy, abundant, precious, sacred, whole, You are all of those things, all of those things. And we're remembering that and we're activating that. All right. I love you. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are on a path of feminine and masculine reunification. I'm your host, Sarah Poet. 
Women are healing from outdated paradigms and we are rising, but we're not doing it by fighting or further depleting ourselves anymore. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that unified truth. Here, we remember together through stories, tools, and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. We infuse the sacred with logic, soul with spirit. We heal, embody, and activate a new feminine leadership. Listen, learn more, and work with me at sarahpoet.com. Now, let's begin. Hello, beautiful community. It was so good to connect with you. This is Sarah Poet, and today's going to be a solo episode. And I am literally, I'm coming to you from my walk-in closet. I'm coming to you from the closet. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be such an honest episode. I thought I would just come out of the closet with I'm in the closet. (laughs) I recently moved to an apartment. This, this conversation today is going to be all about story and timeline. And so you'll hear about the move, but I recently moved to an apartment and there is so much construction going on behind this apartment. It's very interesting uh, to (laughs) be around construction noise all the time and you know and I'm like okay everything's divine this is very interesting um and so I started podcasting in the closet (laughs) because it's one of the only places that uh, is quiet enough and or you know I'm podcasting on Sundays in, in other cases and so you might hear like a cat trying to get in the closet door and then I was trying to mitigate all of that for a number of days. And then I thought, you know what? We are women in a pandemic with (laughs) the animals and the children and the families in the homes. We've got the construction noise. We've got like whatever the fuck else. We're just doing the thing. I think the dishwasher is going on in the background. So you could hear the dishwasher, the cats, the construction, whatever. I'm bringing you a soul story and it's got to come through. (laughs) And so the time is now. I'm in my closet and I'm bringing it to you. By the way, I have my meditation cushion in here. I have my copper ring filled with quartz in here (laughs) to sit on, you know, in my meditation cushion. It surrounds my meditation cushion. I've got all kinds of yummy things um, in this converted closet. So that's a little humor to get us started here today. Um, I want to touch on something that's coming up in some spaces online and some spaces that I hold. And it's this topic of victimization. You know, things have happened to us. Many things have happened to us. This podcast is full of stories about things, real stories about what women have gone through. And um, in no way am I asking us to be quiet about those stories or to overlook trauma or to spiritually bypass in any way whatsoever. Um, I am really, really interested in orienting us all toward the truth of who we are and not the trauma that has occurred in our lives. And so if you're new to my work, in any of the spaces that I hold and haven't heard me talk about this. I've done entire podcast episodes on this. You can go back and listen. 
it's really important that we orient to the truth of who we are before acknowledging, working with, identifying with the stories of what has happened to us. Can we become whole, integrated, completely sovereign without looking at the trauma? No, we cannot. Because the trauma isolates those parts of ourselves that we need to be with and integrate and bring back to wholeness. But it's like I was just saying in a session today, actually, if we're not operating from the truth of who we are, think of it like a central pillar of who we are. And we're trying to do parts work or trauma therapy or somatic therapy. When we are in relationship to those parts or to those traumatized parts, but we're not in relationship to those parts from the core of self, the truth of self, we're just going to continue to spin out. And you're not actually going to be able to heal the trauma that you are so diligently spending so much time looking at. So All the time, I am going to encourage us as we are doing the work of becoming, you know, our whole sovereign selves, standing in the sacred truth. I'm going to encourage us to align to the truth of who we are first and then look at the trauma, heal the trauma. And when we do that, it's like a a sound adult, the adult part of self that's looking at the hurt part or the the traumatized early part of self and saying, hey, baby, you can come on home, right? Versus if a traumatized part is looking at a traumatized part, it's like ah, chaos all over the place, okay? So your whole self, your core of self, it's always there. And you can bring back those parts and integrate them. And I really want to say that the belief that you are broken or that you are as a whole traumatized is really like a mind game in a patriarchal system that keeps you down. So do not bypass your stories. Yes, use your voice as a woman when you need to use your voice as a woman. I love supporting women and owning the full truth of what has happened to them. I'm actually going to be doing some of that today on this podcast, which is a little bit different than how I usually run the podcast, but I'm going to be modeling this today. I'm going to be modeling, telling a story because it needs to be told. And because I believe that a lot of listeners right now to this podcast will benefit from this information. Um, Was I completely, you know, mature, completely sovereign, completely without my shit the entire time that this story was happening? No, I'm a human. I'm a woman in a patriarchy too. I'm going through my own awakening processes, integrating parts processes. And so while I'm telling this story today, I'll do my best to acknowledge that, that reality that I'm not, um, you know, shaming or, you know, putting myself above in, in any, in any way, 
And I'm hoping that you'll stick with me here because I'm saying this in the beginning and I want you to just um, hear me, (laughs) please. That's what I'm asking is that A, I'm not a victim. B, I'm not perfect. And C, uh, this story needs to be told for the medicine that the story will bring forward And if there's a D, I learned so many deep lessons that actually have shaped my life and shaped um, my next offering called Heartland. And um, that's what's coming forward to be shared in this podcast episode. So, you know, buckle up. I'm going to, or not buckle up, sit back with your tea. I'm going to give you a soul story here. And, um, you know, if you're driving, there's the cat at the door. I'm going to pause and see what she needs. Um, And then I'm going to tell you a soul story about my relationship with the land, actually, in the last 16 months of my life and um, the transformation that occurred. And while I'm sharing, you can listen for some primary lessons. I think there are going to be four primary lessons that really came out of this time. And um, so here we go. All right. So a little timeline summary. In November of 2019, if you've been listening to the podcast, you've heard a lot of this um, sequence. I had come out of a relationship in the first year of entrepreneurship, and this this relationship was very, very much a deep, deep soul mate and soul initiation. And I, when it when it plummeted in ways that I'm actually going to reference later, um, I went into a dark night of the soul because there were parts of myself. Um, that, you know, that had fragmented way long ago in childhood, in relationship to my father. And also um, when I was 18 and needed to surrender a daughter for adoption because of the patriarchal pressures and family pressures. And so um, going through 2019, one of the things I let go of was the um, representation of the the house that I owned at that time and and everything that it had to do with my father and finances and just you know all of this stuff around man money um yeah survival plenty all of that and I was coming out of the school career and you've heard bits and pieces of the story along the way if you've been listening but I was coming out of the school career where I had really, really been striving. And like the TEDx mentions, you know, I was in this masculine orientation for so long. I had gotten sick with adrenal fatigue. And so I had started my entrepreneurial endeavors <laughs> to find myself still very much coming out of the programming about how much we had to earn and how much we had to upkeep and things like that. And so I let my house 
my my you know manicured West Asheville home. I let it go, and you know never a regret about that. That was you know part of the journey, and I got into that house under certain agreements with you know father, masculine, money, achievement, all that stuff that's going to be a theme of this podcast. And I went to the mountains. I went out to um, a pretty rural farm and rented what was like a a renovated um, barn loft apartment. It was awesome. And began to really reconnect with the land in a very, very deep way. And this land was very sacred. There was a river on it. There was a cave on it. A good friend of mine, um, for a Jungian female archetype exhibit, took my pictures as the the Magdalene archetype uh, at the cave. I mean, it was such a sacred, sacred place. And this is where a couple of things happened. One. It was the first time I ran the Sacred Truth Mastermind. This was January of 2020. And then Corona hit, then coronavirus hit. And we were in this six-month journey together um, during this time. And I kept sitting with the land and rewiring my nervous system, right? Because I was still coming out of the hustle and bustle and reacclimating my feminine system to the pace of this place and the pace of the nature. And sitting every morning, drinking my tea before the sun even came up and just really reuniting with nature in a way that I just hadn't been able to do living in town or being a school principal or, you know, just like in the rat race, I'll just say. So my feminine system is unwinding. It's unwinding from the year of, you know, constriction and fear and trauma and darkening of the soul and all of that. And I'm coming back to life and I'm coming back to life with the land. And I started to experience, I was seeing these diamond frequencies and in the meditations and activations, when I say activation, I mean like an energy activation or like a a guided group process that's very energetically informed and, uh, you know, where we invite in the divine. And in these activations and meditations, I was feeling this diamond light and I kept drawing diamonds and I didn't really even know about diamond light frequencies and and what was going on in the earth. Um, And then when coronavirus hit, I I was like, wait a minute, we all have to rest now. We all have to rest now. And I was in a place where I could hear it. I had already had my dark night of the soul and I was a warrior badass before that, right? So I can can go down and come back up. I know how to do that. And then the world was, was in chaos. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I didn't need to go into chaos. I had just been in chaos and, and I wasn't freaking out. And I could feel the invitation of, 
this sacred feminine for the nervous system and specifically for the nervous system of women who had been either in the hustle or, you know, when we do identify with the trauma, we live in a perpetual state of fight or flight. And whether or not we directly identify with a trauma or it's just the culmination of life, I mean, women are in fight or flight in their system uh, widespread for so many, so many reasons. And so I was like, uh, we're getting a giant pause button pushed on momentum. You know, women, we can come into balance in our nervous system. This is an opportunity. But what I was finding was that the opportunity for many women who reached out to me was less than calming because it was a jolt to this go, go, go orientation and the repatterning back into a soothing relationship with the nervous system, I'll say, needed to occur. It it was like a process that needed to happen. And so that was the first, I'll say the first lesson was really about how we can take these cues from deep nature um, to come back into nervous system alignment with ourselves and a soothing of the nervous system. So what I ended up experiencing and, and continued to meditate about and learn more about was that these diamond frequencies were getting stronger and they were coming from the planet. And the divine mother frequencies were actually returning to the planet. So my whole, you know, the last eight years, I've been on this quest around feminine and and then masculine and balance. And (laughs) it was funny because during these months, I recognized that, oh my gosh, I never thought that in my lifetime, I would actually see the rebalance of the feminine and masculine. Okay. So it was like, I was fighting for this thing or living for this thing. And it felt so, you know, so big to go up against something like patriarchy. And I'm starting to feel the bigness of what I'm saying in the energetics. (sighs) And so I was in an orientation of healing the feminine and masculine, but I assumed in my subconscious that I would always be sort of fighting for this, that I wouldn't actually see the reharmonization of the two. And so again, in these first few months of coronavirus, I was like, oh, this is what's possible right now. You know, there's a big virus. There's a big disruption. Yes, it looks like an economic disruption. It is many, many things. And at this very time, the feminine has returned. So what does that mean? It's actually a a frequency. Excuse me. It's a frequency. Okay, there's a mother arc frequency and a father arc frequency. And you can think of it like divine mother and divine father. And these two operate in a harmonic. I want you to think of it like that, like in a harmonic. And 
you know, all of this anthropomorphizing that we do of feminine and masculine, it starts in us, right? Because we have all of these gendered orientations and biological orientations and and just cultural associations of the word feminine and masculine. And we really need to move past that. I'm not going to move you past that here in this podcast. That's a whole other thing. But many, many of you are on that path. That's probably why you're listening here. And so one thing that I'll just make really clear right now is that on this walk of reunification of feminine and masculine, we can do this work inside of our own bodies. We do not need to do it in relationship with another human. Now, relationships with other humans are the mirror, the reflection. It's where we're going to practice. You know, I have learned so much about feminine and masculine from watching relationships and being in relationships with men of all kinds. And it's definitely a big part of my walk, but, you know, through a whole bunch of what I'll share with you today and, you know, fuckery with, with the masculine, truly I needed to, or I was able to really experience the God essence of the feminine and masculine, um, regardless of what was going on in relationship. So I want to put that out here for women who are listening right now. And you're thinking, well, when is this, you know, partner of mine going to get with the program? Or when is this partner of mine going to show up and be my sacred union mate? It's actually not like that. We can, we can actually, um, Waste a lot of time on our path, not that it's wasted time, but we can do ourselves a disservice by thinking that it has to come from outside of ourselves. And I want to make that clear. So the feminine was returning. It was like, oh, the the patriarchal program is actually changing now. It's actually changing with the return of this divine mother frequency. And I could feel that happening and being close to the nature really allowed me to feel that deeply. And then I was intuiting it and I was coming through these meditations that I was guiding and um, yeah, I was just in it. So this brings me to what happened next. What happened next was as I was actually selling my house, a man reached out to me and this happened immediately after I felt like God had said, Sarah, you need to open your heart again. Um, because I thought I had lost my soul. Me, I mean, I thought I had lost, like what, what I had just been through was horrendous. Now, some people will call that the, um, false twin flame. You know, I'm still like, I'm not sure what that brother is. I have some theories. I won't share them here, but it was very, very, very deep and very, very, very activating. And it was activating in a way where I was like, I don't want to do that again. And I just lost my person. And, you know, God was talking to me and it was like, Sarah, that's not true. Come on. You're 38 years old at the time. You can get back out there. And So I had a pretty simple wish list, simple and profound. I'll say that. 
I was moving to the country. I had an undergrad in sustainable agriculture and environmental studies, and I wanted to get back to the earth. And I said, look, I'm moving to the country. Maybe there is a man who knows how to put his hands on a woman and on the land. Um, I want a man who already has a relationship with God and honors the feminine. And, you know, if I get to know God through this relationship, bonus. (laughs) And so in he walked this man, and he was a friend of a very good friend at the time. And so at the time I was getting a lot of projection because I talk a lot on the internet about, you know, feminine and masculine. And so a lot of men will see that and say, oh my gosh, she understands she must be my person. And so I was dealing at the time with a lot of projection and I said yes to dating this man because he was a friend of a very good friend. And early on, it's worth noting a couple of things. Um, It took me a while to actually let myself say yes, because there was resistance in my body. And my body... I attributed that to a freak out from what had happened before because there was a definite lack of safety in the year prior. And so I hadn't opened myself up intimately to anyone, even though, you know, conscious relating and intimacy and breath work had been such a part of my work. I wasn't feeling like using that myself or, you know, wasn't, wasn't dating. And so when we began dating, I, I was resistant. And then I overrode that because I did notice that some of my trauma was at play. And there was a constriction in my body. I'm noting this again, because there's wisdom in it for listeners. There was a constriction in my body. And my body didn't have, I'll say, the time to naturally open toward this man and this union. I rushed it a bit. And there was an energy about him that was, I, you know, it was like slightly endearing, but it was as if he could eat me up. Like, oh, I can eat you up. I love you so kind of, kind of thing. It, it was like he was um, hungry for the feminine, but also a very loving man. And his heart, I could definitely feel his heart. He also had a relationship with God previously established, um, did not have a relationship with the sacred feminine. I will say that because, um, you know, it's not one and the same. There's, there's honor for the feminine. And then there is the relationship with the sacred feminine and, you know, hindsight 2020, all this happened in 2020. So there you go. So which brings us to his invitation. 
at his invitation, um, couple like six months, I don't know, time, 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 time. Um, a few months into me living in this property with this renovated barn, um, I had the opportunity to move into another location on the property. And I went to him and I said, okay, look, I feel like we need to have a conversation. This is going very well. But if I move to this other place, I'll be signing a year's lease. And you know, what are your thoughts and feelings about that? And he sat with that and he said, look, I want to live with you. I want to build a life with you. I love your son. I love you. Um, let's just do this thing. And this man felt really safe. He felt like a sure thing, whereas what I had been through did, <laughs> had rocked my world so hard. And, you know, he was a friend of a friend. And I was like, well, a sure thing is a good thing right now. That's, that's good. And so we were going to actually move into the rental together. And he said, you know what? No, I want to create space in my house for you and your child. And that's what he did. He ended up building a bedroom for my son, um, inviting us there. He was very, very excited. He was all talking about plans and the words were build a life together. And so I said yes to that. And I talked about this in the podcast episode that I did with Madeline Moon on provision and the provision wound. Um, and, you know, I <laughs> so go listen to that podcast, maybe even before this one or, you know, in conjunction with this one, because that was a really big deal for me to do that podcast at that time, which I'll get back to in the timeline. And um, so I've, you know, I don't ask men to like pay my bills or anything like that. But the the idea that a man would say, let me open my house to you and your son. I mean, that just felt like beautiful, masculine provision, right? And I wanted to practice receiving that. I wanted to practice saying yes and, and being held in the container of the masculine that way. And it felt really good. But what did not feel good was that my little cats, my two cat babies, couldn't come in the house because he had an allergy. And so for months, like leading up to this, months or weeks, probably six weeks leading up to it. And then even after I moved, I left the cats in the apartment for a while. And then I sent them with a friend for another three weeks because I was like, I can't move them here. What are they going to do? There was a barn outside on the property that they could take shelter in, but it wasn't necessarily a safe container. And this piece of land was very, very rural as well. There was wildlife. These cats had been used to being indoor cats, though they liked adventuring outside. And, and I was like, this is not safe. My body, again, knew that it was not safe. I was freaking out. And I overrode it. And again, I'm sharing that for listeners. Like when we know something, we're going to feel the activation in our systems and our bodies. And so my female body, my feminine system knew these creatures don't have a safe container. And I was hoping that they would be safe more so than assuring it. And sure enough, 
when the day that we moved the two cats there, one cat stuck around, my son's cat stuck around, and my cat bolted immediately. And I thought she was going to be the one that stayed. So I had been attending my son's cat, and my son had been attending my cat, and she bolted. And I thought, well, she'll make her way back. And we left food out and we hiked through the woods. And he was so worried and felt so sorry and just searched and searched for this cat. We just couldn't find the cat. And it was a long time. And I'll say that, you know, at the time I was getting more of my voice back because I definitely lost some of my voice and my power back in that dark night of the soul. Even though I'm a loud woman, even though I tell a lot of stories, I was being a little softer. And so I sat with him and I said, you know, something to the effect of the masculine provides the container. And I was looking to you to provide the container And I was looking to you to gauge if this was safe or not. And that probably wasn't fair of me to do because they're my animals. But, you know, wow, I displaced that. And I put them in an unsafe situation. And I knew that something was going to go wrong. And it did. So that was the beginning of a massive activation, I'll use the word initiation, like soul initiation for both of us and um, an awakening process for, for myself. So what happened, I won't begin to tell the whole story because that is very, very detailed. But what began to happen was I was awakening to some really, really divine frequencies and information that were going on on the land. And I was also awakening through, like, through the cat and an animal communicator, Alicia Main. I had her on a few episodes ago. Um, really phenomenal woman who was, I was learning about myself and my soul and the entire big activation through, um, <laughs> through the cat, through the animal communicator, through listening to the land. And at the same time, which is which often happens, I was learning through my clients who are coming into my business and into my sessions. I was learning about what I, you know, my next activation or the the information that was coming through at the time to, um, you know, to be brought forth. But in sessions, I was seeing energy work was different. Now I was seeing this divine golden architecture this golden architecture in the it's like in the blueprint in the light body of the human and I was able to balance feminine and masculine through this architecture I mean it was something I'd never heard of before and so I was also learning seeing, reading about, awakening to how the grid work or like the grid lines in the human architecture corresponded to 
the earth grid lines and ley lines. And I had heard and read about how the feminine frequency, like this divine mother arc that I mentioned before, actually runs through the ley line currents on the planet. And I was very, very intrigued by this. And there seemed to be very, very strong energetics um, and, you know, activations on the land specifically in this one particular spot on the land. I remember one day we were holding a sacred fire at at his fire pit and there was this part of the land um, that continued to call to me, like, come over here, come over here. And that day I didn't, but then I started to venture down there and I would sit And in the spot, I would have amazing meditations. I would almost be transported, not not that I left my body, but that I could see further than I'd ever been able to see before galactically, um, was hearing things that then I would have to go look up. It was like, wow, you know, all this information. And as I was going through this awakening and initiation, something was happening in him where I would describe it as, as being like, it was becoming too much. And there was a sense of obligation and performance in him that when I was talking about these things, there was uh, like an assumed pressure and performance to keep up with it or to participate in it exactly or to provide me with something in that space and you know for me it was like I'm sharing and this is a soul journey for both of us because there were components at the soul level which I won't talk about on his part um, because that would be that would be too much sharing and too much honestly speculation um, and you know not my business anymore and so the relationship started to strain almost immediately because, you know, the cat was missing. There was all of this activation happening. And I guess I want to pause here and say that (laughs) I told you there were multiple lessons. So lesson number two was really about, and, and from the land, was about this grid technology and how the women's bodies and the and the earth body really corresponded in so many ways and that there was this sacred architecture and grid information that ran through both and I was sensing that they really corresponded but there was correspondence like when we wake up as women and bring these energetics into harmony within. And when we, um, you know, be with the earth and, and work with her to revive her or, you know, allow her to revive or sustain, um, that we're actually healing in conjunction. This is really important information. So lesson number two, we're healing in conjunction and we're, this entire feminine and masculine reunification is in the body and it's in the earth body and and in our body. Okay. It's in 
it's in everything. I mean, everything is comprised of feminine and masculine. So we're bringing this back, but it was like, oh my gosh, we're embodying these frequencies and I can see it through this balanced architecture. I can feel it through the, the grid lines and the grid work. So speaking of the grid lines and the grid work, I had this intuition that we were relatively close to a ley line or something of the sort. And there was a um, piece of land. I want to be careful not to give like too, too much identifying information, I guess. Uh, Keep it pretty general here. Um, There's a piece of land very close to his property that has been just stripped of resources. Okay. It's been mined for resources. And when I was tuning into this piece of the land, this piece of the land was very, very sad. I mean, just absolutely stripped, absolutely used up every day. And so I'm, I'm saying sad, that's like an anthropomorphic term, but it just degraded, depleted, um, overused, taxed, right? You can feel that. Um, if you if you were continuously um, mind of resources, you would be very, very, very depleted and very taxed. And so this neighboring piece of land really felt to me to be that way. And it's worth noting right here that this man's work in the world was about is about environmental sustainability and he's very good at it and his work is very needed in the world and so he was very much opposed to this proposal to further degrade the land in this adjacent property there was a proposal to to further degrade it, to build, I'll just say, to build an asphalt plant. And this was very, very, he was very opposed to this. So I was also, I mean, clearly the land is already depleted. Um, I'm looking at all of these things around the divine feminine and the ley lines and realizing, oh my gosh, this piece of land is being absolutely stripped of the feminine and this right here women this is a a a big concept here but if we look at patriarchy and the original plan of the patriarchy which is hard to know exactly what that was because you know i wasn't there however we've lived it enough to know that the patriarchy runs on the feminine energetic it actually runs on the feminine um so the siphoning of the feminine is the fuel for patriarchal power think about that you can think about that in terms of power over um it was like you know and and it looked gendered right like women need to be suppressed and men rise in a patriarchy. However, the feminine was also suppressed in men, was also suppressed in, you know, in the earth. And so it was, and women, it was most noticeable um, as the primarily feminine essence beings. So the system definitely, and then there were things in place, like, you know, women cannot um, own property, women cannot 
you know, speak for themselves. Women cannot open a bank account by themselves. All of these patriarchal structures over time that ensured that women and the feminine principle would be continually depleted and used to build up a patriarchal system. This is a really, really important point that I'm going to weave in later. So it's as though because the way things are set up, we give our energy because it's like, well, that's the way things are set up. You know, I know I have to work harder to earn attention of, you know, those that are going to give me money, or I know I have to work harder in XYZ situation to procure my needs. And so it's like, we assume that that's the way it's going to be. And that's how we, you know, orient ourselves in the world. And and it becomes a part of just how we behave. So I started hearing the land talk to me about sustainability and how the the feminine principle itself had been stripped from the land. And I realized, oh, that's what's going on over on that piece of land. And that's what's going on, you know, everywhere. Um, And that's what's at stake in this proposal of this asphalt plant is further degradation of the feminine principle. And so I was, you know, just we're, we're living our lives. We're um, I'm running my business. I'm being a mother, I'm worried about cats. <laughs> By the way, my white cat came back in a box from the neighbor three months later. Totally thought she had died. She was okay. But by that time, my relationship wasn't okay. And um, I want to say that I'm, I'm really okay at this point with everything that happened um, because it has continued to teach me some life-changing things that had been building for many, many years. Um, it, but this is, this is the, <laughs> I feel like this is the part where it's going to get deeper. So there, we hit some shadow material for both of us in the relationship as these, you know, confusions about performance and pressure and awakenings and and all the things just came to a head. And I, I was, I was um, inviting and, and I said, you know, do you want to hold ceremony? And, um, you know, I'm picking up on these things about the the earth and the land. And do you want to hold a ceremony where it's kind of like restarting, he, he said, no, I'm, I'm just done right now. And I said, what do you mean? My, I just moved my family here. My child and I, we just made a home. We said we were making life together. What do you mean you're done? And I called in some friends, one of which was the friend that we had originally met through. And we did do a couple of shadow work sessions. The first one seemed to open something in both of us. We were intimate afterwards. I mean, it was, um, you know, an experience of healing and reconnection. It was beautiful. And then soon after, again, it was like, no, I'm done. And, you know, I had seen this pattern before. I had seen this pattern before where men are just done 
And that's where, you know, okay, I'll take into account my psychology and my childhood trauma, the things I attract, the things that I'm looking for, what my subconscious is doing. I'll own all that. And what the fuck, brother, right? <laughs> like, this is fucking exhausting. Are you telling me, you know, I just, I moved once, I moved twice. Now you're telling me you're just done? Like, what, what about sustenance? What about provision? What about the masculine? And what happened next was like a very, very stark shutdown and um, a beginning to, to, a beginning of sharing things, a uh, message like, um, tough shit, <laughs> honestly, tough shit. Um, you need to get your stuff and you need to get out. You need to make a plan and you need to get out. I don't, you know, don't pull that single mother card with me. Um, you know, your financial situation, it's not my responsibility. Uh, you made more money than me last year, you know, just like these nasty patriarchal, like, I don't give a fuck about your situation. Just go. And at this point, it didn't matter what numbers were in my bank account. It was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, you know, this, this offer that I had tried to lean into. So right at that time, Madeline Moon reaches out to me and says, Sarah, do you want to be a guest on my podcast? And I'm a projector in human design. We're supposed to respond to invitation. And I was like, really universe now? Like really? And I knew it was divine. And so I gave that interview and I was just super honest in that whole interview. Like I did not try to hide anything a year and a half before in that other relationship crumble, you know, situation, I was not ready to tell that story. And this time I just owned it. I owned my wound around the masculine and provision and how, you know, you want to trust it. So you try these things and how my shadow shit came up. I mean, I owned it all. And women began reaching out to me saying, oh my gosh, I needed to hear that. Oh my gosh, I look for men to be my savior. Um, oh my gosh, I really want to resolve my money stuff because my provision wound has been lifelong also. And so here I never intended to be the, <laughs> uh, the spokesperson for the provision wound because there could be some shame in that. And what I found through sharing that story was that women needed to hear this. And it actually very, very much changed my trajectory to have that episode, to be so transparent about things. And I started to stand up to the energy because now at this point, I was no longer dealing with the man that had invited me there. I was dealing with an energetic and this energetic, and this is for all the women listeners and I can feel the energy spiking right here. So I know that this is potent. There is an energetic that plays through men who are, you know, at the core, good hearted at the core. Yeah. They respect their mamas maybe, but it is the energetic in the patriarchal system where they will destroy you when their ego is poked. They will destroy you and your resources over top 
of their responsibility, their accountability, their integrity, that goes out the window and they become destroyer. They become consumer of you. And remember that I said one of the very first energetics in our relationship was that he could eat me up. And this is the devouring consume consuming of the feminine this patriarchal energy that will destroy the feminine before dealing with his own shit that energy i have endured that and encountered that from the time i was a girl with my father over and over again him not dealing with his shit him telling us, my sisters, my mother and I, um, you know, I got right with God. So now you forgive me too, right? Never relationship reconciliation. It's probably no surprise that I attracted that multiple times in my adult life after my divorce. Um, you know, my last male boss here is where a woman is speaking stories that have otherwise been silent. And I'm not doing this as victim, which I shouldn't even have to fucking say. I'm doing this to say no more. I had to stand up to this energetic in this last relationship and say no fucking more because this energetic had been, I would say, hunting me. And that's not victim. That's fact. Hunting me because the the patriarchal, I'll say energies, I'll even say entities. They're very, it's dark it's dark energy and it is what will destroy a woman's resources on purpose. And it's going to come to you at you through these means. I had seen it with my father. I had seen it with my last uh, male boss who, when I brought up concerns, found a way to get me the fuck out of there. And um, that had huge financial and psychological ramifications that I needed to deal with. I've seen it in previous relationships, um, the three, <laughs> the last three, right? It's like this trifecta. And then, so I saw it happening again and I said, no more. Um, a man was previously willing, the, the one that kind of set me into the dark night of the soul, that situation that set me into the dark night of the soul, that situation, he was willing to put my business at risk. He was willing to put my livelihood at risk after he knew my um, my child and me. And I was a homeowner at that point. He believed in my work. He was like my biggest fan, my biggest writing fan. We wrote to, to one another all the time and um, just sang my praises. And when life became too much for him and, and managing his relationship with his ex, he folded to her, and when she threatened to sue me, he sided with her. Like, again, just totally coming at my resources. And the fear around that, like the lifelong fear around that. My father deeply, deeply controlled my resources and manipulated me through my resources, right? So here's here's my shit on the table. And so... Then here again, it's happening with this last person. And I knew at his core, he would have never intended to be this way. And I actually had said to him, you know, it's election time. Like We're going through a lot of stuff. You might want to be careful with how much media you're taking in, how much of this, you know, um, 
yeah, programming, I'll say you're taking in. And he was saying, it won't affect me. Nothing can affect me. Nothing can get through to me. And I believe that the opposite happened because he was unrecognizable. Um, I can't imagine that the person that he was before and the person that he became, I can't imagine how he can actually stick up for his own behavior. Um, and he became destroyer, like down to the last conversations were about resources. And I was just, oh, you'll, this is another part of the story. Um, you know, so when he said, I'm out, um, friends, male friends reached out to me and said, you can sleep on my couch. If he's going to behave this way, you can sleep on my couch. Now these men were in men's group with him. And I said, I'm not a victim. I don't sleep on people's couches. I have a family. Um, (laughs) I'll figure it out. And why don't you talk to him about integrity? And they wouldn't. So the men would not hold one another accountable. So then I saw all of the shadow in the local men's groups that upheld male ego stories and did not uphold integrity for women and children. And I am, I am just fine sharing that story because that is such a bunch of bullshit. I saw how men's work and the shadow element just protects the shadow side, the ego side of men and makes men feel better about it. And that's out of integrity. There's plenty of good men's work out there. And um, this is not that. And so I held my ground. And I held my ground and I said, you can give me a moment to make a plan. I just unpacked everything into this house. My animals are now acclimated to this land. This is my son's house. I have outdoor equipment. I mean, I put up trampolines and basketball nets. And I was like, you invited me to make a life here. I made a home here. Now it's going to take a minute for me to disassemble all of this and move it again you know, insert, insert beliefs there. So this man's work is in sustainability and he was fighting for, he was advocating for the land, for biodiversity, for, you know, for all things environment. It could be said that the environment itself is a feminine principle, like Mother Earth, right? So here this man has dedicated his life to essentially protecting the Divine Mother in ways and would still be in such opposition that he had, you know, invited this woman to me to be his lifelong partner, invited me into his home, but then would also destroy, you know, me and my resources. Now, when I'm using the word destroy, like he didn't, he was, he was very passive. He never even had a face-to-face conversation. Um, So it wasn't like he was in my face being destructive, but you have to understand that this evoked, you know, all of that ancient fear. And so I was dealing with that 
provision, wounding that ancient fear and working out those energetics and just refusing to be a victim. And (laughs) was so um, very, very dead set on not, you know, repeating this pattern and, and not running away and, you know, I had seen enough before that I was like, poor fucking real brother. Like what a fucking hassle. That's how it felt. It didn't feel like, what was me? It felt like, are you fucking kidding me? And so I sat with the land. I sat with the land and I heard about sustainability. And I heard from these collectives of women, these councils of women. As I was sitting in the sacred spot on the land and I was hearing all sorts of, you know, divine information, information about my soul and our soul journey and activations and what was happening. I was sitting and meditating on the land nearly every day. I mean, as long as the, the sun was shining and sometimes when it wasn't, and I was listening. And these councils of women, it was a probably Cherokee land in the past, and I have Cherokee lineage. And so the Cherokee grandmothers would come, and other councils of grandmothers would come, people who had walked the land, people from other areas, the land itself. And these councils of women grieved with me. They grieved with me how women have to be strong. And they grieved with me how resources, you know, are defaulted into the hands of men. Here I was, you know, I'm not the land owner. I don't have rights to this place. And so I need to go. And they grieved with me the truth of that. They grieved with me the depletion of women's resources. They grieved with me the depletion of the earth's resources. And I could feel it. And I could feel it with this stripped piece of land right next to me. I could feel it in my system how I'm so tired of overcoming. And I'm just letting the tears come right now. And they cried with me and we cried with one another for the ways that women have to pick themselves back up not because we're victims but because we're not and I sat with my women's councils and my women's groups and my friends people offered their divine insight and People offered, you know, wow, I really see you beating this thing. I really see you standing up to this thing. And I just held my ground. And I held ceremony to break the ancient contract between white man, landowner, and woman, and potentially indigenous people, and the land itself, all as sovereign all as sovereign decision makers. And I held these ceremonies and I freed the energy and I came into right relationship with the land more and more and more and noticed deep consumption patterns in myself. 
these consumption patterns that tell us that as women, be afraid, you will be consumed. And so what do we do? We try to consume first. We try to make sure that we have all of our resources. We try to make sure that we're okay. And we have a lack mindset, not surprisingly, from everything that has happened historically and in our lifetimes. And we are handed this epigenetically. We are handed this culturally. We are handed this from our fathers and our mothers. And we are remembering how to be sovereign, to be wealthy, to have resources in the hands of women. And so these, this was lesson three, was this lesson about integrity and sustainability. That sustainability, we talk about it in our culture as something that's hip. And true sustainability work, which arguably this man is doing for the environment, um, (laughs) all the things going through my head, Um, true sustainability is a reverence for the feminine principle. Or I'll say true sustainability requires a reverence of the feminine principle. And true sustainability begins to happen in us women when we say no more to these dominator programs, to the programs that will consume us and use our energy and our resources at any cost, no matter the previous promises, right? And the energies that will take you down in a minute if you cross what has been unresolved in the tyrant masculine, because that's what it is. It's a tyrant masculine that says, I will take whatever the fuck I want, whenever the fuck I want. So this man, this human, we're all flawed humans, but he's running both the tyrant program of the masculine, as is some of his brothers in the men's group, and not sticking up for women and children, not being in devotion to what is sacred, not being in reverence and protection of the feminine principle. You know, meanwhile, doing the, the work for environmental sustainability, which is, is heartfelt, and yet we have the invasion of the, the tyrant. It's the false patriarchal king that says, I'll do whatever the fuck I want, whenever the fuck I want to you. I'll control the resources. I'll, I'll be really nice. We have a lot of, um, you know, love and light spiritual men who are, are capturing women in this way because they haven't resolved the tyrant in them. And so they, they play a really nice game. Like they put on a really good front, but this hasn't been resolved in them. And so when the place of the sacred feminine needs to come back into relationship, and I would argue that in our relationship for it to survive, um, he would have needed to embrace the sacred feminine and be a protector of that. And that just wasn't going to happen anytime soon. 
until men do that, they can still run this flip of the switch program that leaves you as women thinking, what the fuck happened here? It's because of what's unresolved with them in their relationship to the divine mother. The converse of this is that we as women need to heal what is left um, unresolved in our relationship to the divine father. And we need to all, all humans come into an integrity with these frequencies in union and with our relationship with consumption. And where do we say, well, I'll just take that because I want it, or I'll just consume more because I want it. Now, maybe women, you're not doing that, but maybe you have a lack program that gives you a message that you never, ever have enough. This is what I ran for a long time. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know who's going to supply it. Um, you know, I might run out at any at any moment. And so in that way, the orientation is a consumer orientation. It's the flip side of the tyrant coin. Like they've got us, right? So we need to break that program. I'm going to call it like a mind control program. We need to break that in ourselves and start looking at where we ourselves are in the consumer program and where we are consenting to this or, you know, at what stage we are in this. Okay. So I'm going to pause because I need to take my child to the chiropractor actually. And then I will be back with lesson number four. Hello. Hi again. So I took a break. I took my child to the appointment and it's actually day two. And I will tell you that last night I had a huge vulnerability hangover (laughs) after sharing everything with you. And I was like, "Mm, that's the way it goes sometimes and definitely breathed through it and uh, back here again for day two. And I had a client call this morning and she's bringing up, what do you know, um, the Maddie Moon podcast interview I did and the forbidden wound and what that conversation brought up for her. So I'll say that, you know, I'm sharing these things right now because I know from my soul and from source that this is what I'm supposed to be sharing right now. There are definitely parts of me that I would rather, that would rather not share them right now, um, for sure. And it's a process that I'm living, but also I'm really called to bring forward these lessons and learning of the last 16 months and 40 years um, (laughs) and multiple, multiple lifetimes um, and bring those forward for you now because it has really big implications for us as women in our hearts and women leading our families and leading aspects of the world and and feminine leadership in general, which I'm going to finish and conclude with today. So this is just where we are at right now. If you are resonating with this podcast as you're listening, you know, send an email to Sarah at sarahpoet.com, leave a review, share it with a friend. Like let's start talking about these things. And again, that's why I'm sharing the story. Um, so that you can see and relate to it, right? Like, when did you relate to the way I, you know, share that I feel? Where did you relate to my shared experiences with men? And how did that affect you 
on the inside and how does it affect you still? Um, So I'm going to go back to the idea of gender programming in the patriarchy. Um, I was talking about the, the tyrant king and the male ego and things like that. I want to dive a little bit deeper into consumer programming and this consumption programming. Um, you know, again, yesterday I had someone reach out to me and say, I really need to hear more about this. So let me do my best here. So, okay. Are men bad or are men all like the patriarchs, the consumers, the devourers? No. And I think, you know, a lot of us here, I know myself and in this audience, um, we're really ready to embrace union and love and union of the feminine and masculine. We're really ready to lay down the anger, the bitterness. I mean, maybe not entirely. I don't want to speak for anyone else, but it's like, okay, you know, we've held this for a really long time and we know there's another way. That's a collective thing that's going on with women right now is like, yeah, okay. Fighting feminism has been done. That is not really what we want to continue doing. We want to find the solutions in unity moving forward. And that's really what it's about. So when I'm talking about patriarchy, definitely know that I'm not anti-man. Um, but there's there are certain programs that we have been given since the inception of patriarchy and you know organized religion carried this forward for sure. They were agents of the patriarchy. And man was given many permissions, um, you know, over women, over domination, was, or over like dominion over, right? I was talking about this before. But men are programmed with that understanding, like I can take, I can consume. And women were programmed essentially with an idea of, yeah, I will be consumed. I will be depleted. My resources will be depleted. I think I was also talking about this in the first segment. So there's this perceived power structure that we are born into, that we are enculturated into. Now, I want, you, I want to get you thinking meta for a minute, like big, okay, umbrella-like. It's, it's like we're born into this and all of our experiences as children, as young women, most of our experiences reflect this programming back to us such that we believe it. And so we're playing along in the game, trying to get our power back or, you know, remember who we are inside of that, I'll say, matrix game. However, (laughs) when we're doing that as women and thinking, well, I'm less than, so I have to work harder or I'm less than, so you know, I have to deplete my energy. It's like the other side of the coin of the domination consumption program. It's like, we're just buying into it. We're saying, okay, that's the way it is. And then things happen inside of us in that lack programming that's where we begin to believe that we're never enough. 
And that's where we begin to really become so ingrained in the lack mentality. There's never enough. Um, How am I ever going to earn enough? How am I ever going to um, have the provision? You know, it's like this never ending how can I get more, more, more? And even if you are a successful businesswoman or entrepreneur, or you know, you you do make money, I realized through this process that as an entrepreneur, I had taken the bait, like the invisible bait of your business needs to be as big as possible, grow as quick as possible, um, you know, in order to be a success. And so I started to look at that and say, well, you know, why, why, why do I think that I'm not a success yet when, you know, everything is financially taken care of and maybe I haven't grown as big as, you know, the, the cultural pressure on entrepreneurs to like grow, 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 grow. But I was like, oh, who says that's the way it needs to be? That's also the consumption program. So addiction comes from this place. Okay. Like we wouldn't have addiction in the human psyche in the in the world in this matrix program if not for the consumer program. Because again, going real meta, we are all of God. We are of source. We are of creator. And it, we're not lacking anything. And I know it can feel that way when you have had you know, financial lack or you've been in this mind program for so, so long. So you really have to start to unplug but even this episode is is filled with you know juicy energetics, and then Heartland is filled with juicy energetics, and and you know we're starting to unravel these programs because it's time to. So, beginning to question consumption of all kinds on all levels and layers when I was realizing, oh. This is a consumption thing. Like sustainability isn't even possible until we address the consumption of the feminine and the domination and degradation of the feminine. Whether we're talking about women or land or resources of any sort. So I started to really, really look at this in me. And one one of the major things that I noticed was that as soon as this man pulled away, in the relationship. And I felt that habitual fear of, you know, oh no, my provision is going away. My IBS flared back up and I have struggled with IBS, IBS my whole life. Um, off and on, I've gone through every kind of healing. I mean, I had a baby and lost the baby, lost the opportunity to raise the baby at age 19. I mean, my gut issues were extensive especially in my twenties. And so I hadn't had it in a while and it flared right back up. And I didn't understand what was going on until I started looking at the programs of consumption because I was dealing with it with like diet and, you know, 
exercise and fluids and like all sorts of ways, but it just wouldn't stop. And I started to notice the link between my own breath patterns, how I was breathing in response to the fear, like almost the fear of being consumed, the fear of not having enough. And I started to notice how that lived in my body and how it even affected then my choices. Like, what was I eating? What was I consuming? And I have a really healthy diet. I mean, I love the occasional dark chocolate. I love the occasional cup of coffee. These things were wrecking me to the point that it shouldn't have been wrecking me. It was wrecking me in order to get my attention so that I could see the consumption patterning. Because regardless of like how big or I'll just have a little bit, it was still an addiction to consuming something, which is taking away from the sovereign power, the the sovereign God access, you know, me just being me. So the IBS was a huge indicator. And then I started actually opening up these different breath practices and sacred practices and coming back into my breath and uh, really um, just, you know, when I was having a craving for even a piece of chocolate, I would just sit with the breath and with the craving and name it as consumption and breathe through it and see what was on the other side. And honestly, this is something I now recognize I've needed to do my entire life because it was this minuscule piece of what kept me wanting, what kept me consuming. And I started to look at what we talk about in terms of why women can't earn or why women would, you know, continue to be in a depleted state financially. And self-worth is not the issue. So many people talk about self-worth. Self-worth is not the issue. I honestly know I'm awesome. (laughs) And that's not even ego. That's like, I love myself and I, I want the best for myself. And, um, you know, it's taken a long time to get there, but my self-worth really isn't the problem. Like I actually know that my soul is infinitely rich, infinitely rich. So that's not the issue. Like that was never the issue. Then I was, happened to be listening to this podcast, this woman that I had come across and I wanted to listen to her podcast and I turned it on and it was all this stuff about manifestation and getting, you know, in the right vibration. We've heard this before. No amount of that is going to actually work as long as you have this consumption undercurrent going. And I'm talking about everybody has this. (laughs) Everybody has this consumption undercurrent and we need to address it. And as we address it and come back into our energetic sovereignty, women, we come back into our financial sovereignty. So that's what Heartland's about, by the way. So the more we have fear and lack 
running through our system. And I'm talking physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual system because everything I do in my practice and everything I talk about is always addressing those four. We have, you know, we're multidimensional beings. So we, we need to address all four of those layers. And when we have fear and contraction about, will I have enough? Will I be able to make enough? Will I receive enough? All of those things, we are actually affecting all four of those layers. And the the fear is just like running rampant through our system. And then think about it right here. You can even hit pause if you want to. What happens in you when you feel that fear? You think, oh my gosh, how can I get more? Oh my gosh, how can I consume more? So whether or not, I'm not talking about consumption as like, you know, using 10 plastic bags a week and um, having too many clothes in your closet, like the material consumerism that sustainability folks have talked about for a really long time. I'm not even actually referencing that directly. I'm saying it's the mind program that has you thinking, I need more right now. I need more right now. I need more right now. I'm not okay yet. I'm not okay yet. I'm not okay yet. And so what I found honestly was that I was continually thinking that. Meanwhile, I actually was okay. And so I've spent some time now reprogramming because I've been fixing the consumption, fixing, healing the consumption. I'm also able to actually feel okay. So I'm going to offer a different way of looking at why women aren't earning, uh, earning more or earning what they want to earn or standing in true wealth is actually not what I've already covered. It's, it's down to two reasons. And this is a working theory here. So, but I'm going with it because it really came through, um, through source as I was uh, in a, in a very clear state. One, unresolved trauma. The reason that women are not earning or standing in their wealth and standing in their resources is because of unresolved trauma. And that is most likely trauma related to the masculine, but it's any trauma related to receiving. So we're all doing that work. We're all doing that trauma healing work. On this podcast, we don't bypass. I talk about the thing, you know, I I have resources for healing trauma. At the same time, we are on a path to embody our whole selves in, you know, in this lifetime, hopefully, and come into union with Mother, Father, God. So in Sension, okay? So we're always healing our trauma. And I'm sharing the story with you so that you can hear that you know, we can, we can know a lot of things. We can be far along the path. And it's really important to me to model to anyone listening. We keep going. We keep figuring it out. I am so far from figuring it out. And I figured a lot out, right? It's true. Like let's, let's (laughs) remove the, the ego games about, um, perfection or I have it all together. So you should pay me more money and, and this and that. Right. Um, Yeah, a lot is actually healing in my business and in my customer relations because I'm in my heart, in this heartland place. But reason number two, 
that women are not standing in their money, sovereign financial power is the consumer program. Okay, so unresolved trauma and the participation in the consumer program. So when we actually, we can work to cancel the consumer program at the same time that we're working to heal the trauma and vice versa. Okay, so now in conclusion, I'm going to go back to the land. Talk about some of the final lessons from the land. Sacred, sacred piece of land that now, you know, the mountains told me as I was leaving and as I was coming to this apartment building, which was also divine. I mean, I had choices and it was like, no, you're going here. And from my window, I can see the mountain ranges. I can actually see the mountain ranges <laughs> over top of them building more construction, but you know, it's all lessons in sustainability, right? And I was told by the mountains, <laughs> Sarah, you don't need to be here to be receiving what you're receiving from us, from your soul, from this ancient remembrance, and from the land. I'm definitely so far in this life, an East Coast mountain girl. I've known that my whole life. I, I've traveled up and down the East Coast and have really deep relationships to the mountains. And they were showing me, you know, they, all of the guides in the mountains and the earth and the feminine and masculine and mother, father, God, and others were showing me that you're going to take us with you. And so I had done the ceremony to break the soul contracts and to really heal and ask the land what it needed in preparation. And I was called to go to Virginia. I called a friend and I said, hey, do you want to meet in Virginia? And he said, yeah. And I drove to Virginia after doing the ceremony and we were taking a hike in these mountains. I might actually cry as I tell the story, but that's okay. And he said, I want to show you this vantage point. I want to show you this, this view. And as we were walking, I felt really compelled to share a deep story about my family lineage that had been shared with me and talk about this thing of, of women and resources. And I was just processing what some of what I was thinking about and, you know, getting women or getting resources in the hands of women and um, how important that is for the sustainability of our planet. And, and I had this moment where I, I paused and I realized I was like on this big, giant, beautiful, smooth rock. And I looked at the land and I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder how far I am from where my father was born. And where my grandmother was born and raised in absolute poverty, absolute poverty. And her, her womanhood, her body was very much taken advantage of her whole life. And I texted my mother because I don't have a relationship with my father, texted my mother and I said, what was the name of the town? 
And come to find out I was less than 60 miles due east of this origination point of my grandmother, my paternal grandmother, and my father's life. And and I was like, holy shit, I'm doing grid work. I'm doing this, you know, work of of somehow healing the feminine lineage in conjunction with the earth and place. And I didn't quite know what this meant. And now I'm going actually further into the soul story than I intended in this moment, but I'm going with the emotion and, and the spark to do so. So many, many sacred, amazing things happened on that trip. And I wrote a blog post about that. Uh, you can go find that at sarahpoet.com. Um, and I was you know, given hawk medicine and really beautiful things. And a few days later, I was back in North Carolina and I got a text from my mother that my grandmother was very sick. And I actually messaged my aunt and I said, please tell me what's going on. And she said that my grandmother was nearing the end of her life. And for, for that week that I was so deeply steeped in the lessons of the land and the suffering that I was aware of of my paternal grandmother's life and this location of, of her birth. And now she's made her return. And my grandmother was not a rich woman. And I had this experience, actually, it was over Christmas by this point. And, you know, I follow the signs. And so there was a Christmas movie. My son and I were looking for a Christmas movie. And there was a Christmas movie that that said something about inheritance. And I just knew on a soul level that I was supposed to watch this movie about inheritance. And I thought to myself, this is interesting that I'm getting the soul nudge about the word inheritance. And my grandmother was not a wealthy woman. I, I don't expect a monetary inheritance. And just after that, I got another message from my mother with a photograph. And she said, just so you know, we had the, the um, ceremony for your grandmother. And this is your quilt. <laughs> my grandmother was a quilter. And uh, that's a whole other story, but like very um, sacred in the lineage. And I spent many, many years of my adulthood as um, an improvisational quilter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> piecing that together, there's so many, so many metaphors. But that was one of our primary connections, but we still weren't very close. Um, But I know like on a soul level, she and I were experiencing something that week, very, very deep and profound as um, she was letting go of her life. And I was letting go of some of the lineage trauma around poverty and provision and, um, you know, those deep, deep psyche layers. And my mother said, here's a picture of your quilt. And this is your inheritance from your grandmother. And um, it was a pattern of a six-pointed star all over the quilt, over and over again, a six-pointed star. And this is the Merkaba. This is feminine and masculine in union. 
And I'm having a really hard time not crying in this moment because as I allowed myself to just speak that story completely impromptu because that was not in my outline. I realized that that's so much of the gift that was returning. I mean, she, she was returning this union and actually all of the stars were actually in this pink, this, you know, heart color. So deep gratitude to my grandmother in this moment and yeah, for doing the hard, hard work of being a woman that was very much taken advantage of. And uh, I'm grateful to her for doing the work on the other side with me. So thank you everyone for listening to that. That was unexpected. <laughs> so like I said, it's all, it's all happening. And back on the land in North Carolina, and I'm being shown, you know, you don't need to be on this piece of land. You're ready to take these lessons and you're ready to go. And then I knew it was time to go. And one of the last things that happened was that I was given new codexes, new ways of seeing how creation consciousness really does truly come to women and through women. And so when we are in integrity and merging with these energetics of the planet, there's a different kind of wealth that's possible. And you can just feel into what I'm sharing. You know, if you've made it this far in the podcast, maybe this is for you. (laughs) This is a long one. But I began to see different ways, different symbologies, different ways that the Divine Mother and Father were interacting and coming into union. Because if you think about it, Divine Mother, Divine Father, that's a recipe for creation, right? And so when we bring these land codexes into ourselves and open our minds and open our hearts and bring in the divine wisdom of the union of Divine Mother, Divine Father, we actually can activate wealth directly in another way. So all of the previous trauma around masculine, and you know, you have to, this notion that's, I've even perpetuated it myself and I'm questioning it now, that you have to heal all of your masculine trauma and lineage before you can um, heal your relationship with money. I'm actually feeling in this moment that that's not actually true. Maybe it was true. It's not true now. And so this is a conversation for women who have been working, working, working to heal the traumas around money, working, working, working to be worthy, to come out of lack. And there's actually a different way. And I just feel so much grace in this moment from these heartland energies that travel with me still. Because they're in me. I am the heartland. You are the heartland. These activations happen so that I could carry this in me and so that I could share it with you. There's a different way. There's a different way. And we don't get to abundance by playing 
old games of consumption. We don't, we can't, and we don't want to. And the earth doesn't want us to either. We want wealth that is in integrity and is sustainable. We don't want to play power over games, and we don't want to play power under games anymore. So this is an activation into the heart. You know, it's interesting because the divine always sends what you need in any given moment. And I was very prompted to do this very short four-week series about activating the feminine heart. And the very last meeting of that series was the weekend that I was in Virginia. And someone in the group after the group said, holy shit, you nailed that. What's going on with you? And I can look back and I can see that it was the potency of following the soul's call to that land, to collect the pieces, to bring them back. And I knew during that series, activating the true heart of the feminine, that there would be another offering. I actually also knew that it would be called Heartland, and I didn't have all of the information. And I, I you know, gone through this, and I got to this place, and and what I thought was, okay, I'll just sit on this for a while. <laughs> and my soul and source and, and all of it is like, no, you're, you're ready to bring it forward now. So I knew that it would be an eight-week activation sequence. There's a lot of energy in it. There's teaching and words, yes. And then there's meditations and energetic activations. Um, I'm getting in this moment and hearing in this moment that these codes really, really want to come through to you, to you if this is for you. If it's not for you, you'll know that it's not for you. If it is for you, you'll know that it is for you. This isn't about selling. So let's talk about entrepreneurship for a moment. I'm also surprised that I'm saying this. It's not about selling because selling can also be a form of consumption. And I honestly would love to apologize in this moment for all of the times that I was in my lack and selling from lack selling from the fear that no one would sign up. And I get it now. And I'm sharing it now because I know that so many others can benefit from from this honesty. And so this feels very, very different. It's like, of course, I'm going to sell you things because my things are of value and <laughs> because lives change in my spaces and I love doing it. So there's an exchange, you know, I have no problem with wealth. I, like I said, the self-worth is actually there. We are ready to receive money. We are ready to receive wealth as women. I truly believe this. and. It's okay to do so. There's not, a, there's not a shame in doing so. And, you know, I have friends um, and have had clients who have really struggled with, with monetary exchange and wanting to do a gift economy and things like that. And, you know, maybe so um, in, in small pockets or maybe so eventually. But I think you and I probably still have to pay our rents and our mortgages with money. Right. So 
there, there's not a problem with exchanging money when we are not in the consumer program. And it's the power over program that we're used to. When we affiliate money with that, then we have shadow around money. Okay, so that's just one little snippet that, I, that I'll throw in there. So Heartland in conclusion, thank you so much for listening to this long soul share. <laughs> the Heartland is everywhere and it is our energetic and spiritual sovereignty. It is new feminine leadership for women who simply know that there must be a different way. <sighs> it is connecting to the land, to these diamond codexes, these unified frequencies that are here and available. It is coming into our own unique and sacred architecture within us. And that's when we align to the truth, not to the trauma. We erect the architecture, we heal the architecture. And from, from there, we connect to our own heart, this unified heart. We connect to the heart of source and we become this central channel that can activate and hold the wealth codexes. If you are in greed and consumption, it won't work. It actually won't work. At one point, I was afraid to give the codes or to say these things out loud. And that's what I continue to hear is that, you know, this only activates and works when we're truly in that space of the heart and in the unified heart. And so that's what I, at this point, continue to come further and further and further into every day. And I'm so grateful for everything that has happened. I'm almost 40 and, uh, you know, it's causing a little bit of reflection here and my birthday's in a few weeks and <laughs> and while a lot has happened I'm grateful for all of it uh it, it's all been the lessons that my soul has needed to create the alchemy that has been needed and I'm so grateful to have seen in this mirror of this last relationship the role of this consumptive patterning and how it played out in us both. And that's a gift to be able to, to see that. And so I'm grateful, even though, you know, moving in you know, full turnaround was eight months uh, that I was there. And that's a pain in the ass to move your family three times in 16 months, but, um, you know, it all needed to happen. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for walking your walk of sacred remembrance. If you have questions, reach out. You can see sarahpoet.com backslash heartland for the program information. It's very affordable. You can even slide the scale a little bit. Um, uh, you can go there and read all of that information, but it's all transparent and right there. Uh, it's an eight-week activation series, and we begin April 1st. And I'll hear from you if it's for you. So much love. Bye.
ไปดิฉันเซราพูดอัฟเอ็มบอดีบรัตและขอบคุณมากมากที่ติดตามชมวันนี้ฉันสงสัยว่าคุณมีอะไรที่เป็นที่ประทับใจมากที่สุดแล้วอย่าลืมว่าคุณไม่ต้องอยู่กับความผิดพลาดและผู้หญิงจะเริ่มขึ้นกันแล้วคุณสามารถไปที่เว็บไซต์ sarahpoet.com ไปหาข้อมูลและวิธีการช่วยเหลือที่เป็นประโยชน์ให้กับความสำคัญของความผิดพลาดอย่าลืมติดตามข้อมูลและติดตามข่าวสารต่างๆที่เกี่ยวกับการแสดงออกและติดตามข่าวสารต่างๆที่เกี่ยวกับการแสดงออกและติดตามข่าวสารต่างๆที่เกี่ยวกับการแสดงออกและติดตามข่าวสารต่างๆที่เกี่ยวกับการแสดงออกและติดตามข่าวสารต่างๆที่เกี่ยวกับการแสดงออกและติดตามข่าวสารต่างๆที่เกี่ยวกับการแสดงออกและติดตามข่าวสารต่างๆที่เกี่ยวกับการแสดงออกและติดตามข่าวสาร